If you want to turn in your, in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, and open it there with me. I'll, I'll start from the beginning of, the, of this chapter. Um, folks, before we just look at that, everybody eyes forward, please look at me. We've been here, Jeanette, what, about nine years, eight years, nine years in this church. And I calculated there last year that I had preached around about 470 times here. That's a lot. So that's over 500 mark now. Now, I take this ministry incredibly seriously. For me, it's not a, a message. It's a matter of life and death, really. It consumes me morning, noon, and night that I get it right, that I'm hearing right, and that I'm saying what is right. So it is not a small statement when I, that I'm about to make. The last four or five messages, and this one particularly, are the most important messages you have ever heard. But many of you don't know that. You don't realize it. Jesus told a parable of when he sowed seed, but the birds, the, the devil, the birds of the air came and snatched it away. And I know the struggles and the pains that many of you are going through. You're not alone all over the world. The church is, is having birth pangs. It says, you know, the, 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 the sons of God go into labor, but Paul says that's okay because this is what shows that we are the children of God. Fantastic. Now, I, I urge you to heed what I'm saying and to pray for yourself this morning. Pray for yourself right now and ask God to open your ears so that you will be one who hears and overcomes in the last days. Right? Very serious times that we're living in. Very, very, very serious times. Never experienced it before in my lifetime. I'm, I'm walking around my house in the middle of the night. My brain just will not switch off. But that's okay. I feel fantastic, actually. I feel super about it. But it all, I mean, you know how these things work. You're full of joy, but you're full of sadness. I know that our redemption is near. But at the same time, I see the lost and I see the planet. And you just got this, you know dichotomy going on in your feelings and your emotions and above all that you have to try and deliver the truth and when you do that people run away they scatter that as you'll see today oh lord father would you help us god help us god help us god help us god have mercy have mercy on wicked rebellious cold-hearted mankind who neither honors you, obeys you, or wants to hear from you at all. God, have mercy on Scotland. Have mercy on Glasgow. Have mercy on New Mercy and all our congregations. And God, for ourselves this morning, would you bless us and grace us that we may hear and understand the Word of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. The disciples following Jesus all through his ministry, one day he was telling them about the end of the world that was going to come. And they stopped him and they said, tell us what, how will we know it's the end? Tell us what the sign will be. Here it is, Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, that's where he's going to return to, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, what will happen and what will this sign be? of your coming and the end of time, the end of the age. And Jesus answered, first point, most important point, watch out for deception. Deceivers will come. Many will come, many churches, many pastors, many false prophets will rise up saying that, you know, God is here, God is there. Don't listen to these guys. Listen to these guys. All manner of deceptions will abound. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 4, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and they will deceive, what does it say? Many. Not few. Not few. Many Christians. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the followers. He said to his followers, watch out that nobody deceives who? You. You. Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come, many will and, and they will deceive many. Verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it, blah, blah, blah. Down to verse 9, you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death because of our PC society. 
And you will be hated by all the nations because of me. At that time, what's the next word? Many. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other and false prophets will appear. Verse 12. Because of the increase of the temptations in the world, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of will grow cold. Now you start to get the picture. Jesus said this, that broad is the way that leads to destruction and death, and narrower and narrower is the way becoming that leads to life. He said broad is the way, and most people follow that way, and narrow is the way, and few, few people find it. And I've had, I've had you know, so many you know, problems in my head to, 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 to understand this. I've got a, uh, uh, an event coming up in Singapore in, in, in before Christmas, and I need to, to speak on this issue. And I've got a huge problem because Singapore is involved in such salvation. I mean, Pastor Rick was working with Reinhard Bonnke in, in Africa there, where you have the pictures. You've, you may have seen the pictures. A million people, a million people in an open space. That's not few. That's many. It's not few. That's massive crowds, Jesus. Whatever it was over the last decades, 34,000 people a month getting saved in China. That's not few. That's many. So Jesus, how do you say then, few? And then I suddenly got it because of the apostasy. So many will be saved. Many will say, Lord, did we not, you know, do miracles in your name? Did we not? Many people will stand in those fields and lift up their hands and pray the prayer. But few will actually adhere to sound doctrine as time gets nearer, the pressure gets greater. We're going to talk about this next week. Fewer and fewer people will be found able to stand. In the book of Revelation, seven times, seven times it says this. To, you, to those who overcome, to those who overcome the temptations and the threats of the devil, to those who overcome, I will give the right to eat of the tree of life. Just so that you get the message, he says it seven times. So this is not a game. We're not playing by men's rules. That's something concerns me greatly. I'm not interested in any human being for these things. I will go back to scripture on all of these points, and I will make sure that my life, our lives, Jeanette, are lined up in accordance with what I see that the Master is going to require of me when I die. And I don't care about any church culture or anything on this planet, because they will not be who I will face. So times have changed enormously in the last, you know, it's about 10 years, but particularly for, 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 for me, my eyes are opened in these last six months to a year. I, I can't believe the speed of change uh, and it's taken me a bit by surprise. Uh, God help us. We looked at this, the four coming blood moons over the last four weeks. And I need to keep on going over it because it's very complex. I understand that. And the, w the way we deal with that is, is by going back and visiting it again and again and again. In 2014... And in 2015, there will be blood moons back to back on the Passover feast and tabernacle feast in both of these years. This is enormously significant for the church, enormously so. Okay, and you'll begin to understand if you missed it, you can go back and get the podcasts. I've had so many phone calls, emails, text messages from you and from other people who follow online asking many questions about these things. And I thank God for that. Look, when Jesus Christ came to earth the first time, what was the sign? A star. When Jesus came to earth, his arrival on the earth was signified by a sign in the heavens. And in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14, if you look at this, Genesis 1 verse 14, God said right at the beginning of the book, and God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs. Signs. The sun, the moon, the stars, these will be signs. And he doesn't just say that. The, the, the second half of the verse is critical. To mark 
the feast days, the Jewish feast days, right? Basically what it's saying is, when you, everybody look at me. Basically what that scripture is saying is, when you see the signs in the sky on the feast days, that is going to be a sign to you. Now, uh, one of the students asked me this week, isn't this astrology? I said, no, astrology is wicked. You get struck dead for that sort of stuff. Watch yourself. God hates witchcraft and astrology, evil things. This is what God, that, astrology is men hijacking God's word. That's what it is. Astrology is when I look at the stars and I interpret my life. But the Bible says that these things tell us about God. Not about you. That the signs in the sky tell us what God is going to do and when. And in order to get the attention of mankind away, they entice them with daydreams, with stars. That's astrology. This is astronomy of sorts, but it's biblical astronomy. So Jesus, three times in the Bible, look at Acts, in case you think this is all Old Testament. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 19. Three times in Scripture we get this prophecy that will come true. Acts chapter 2 verse 19, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, the apostasy, blood and fire and billows um, billows of smoke. The sun, look, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the return of the Lord. Could I have my feasts up there, please, guys? So if we put even the beginning of that guidance that God gives us, look at this. These are the, these are the seven principal Jewish feasts. They're represented in the menorah. It's the same thing. This is a timeless... God had to communicate to all generations about His return. He wanted everybody to know. But some people don't have a Bible. They can't read. And so He put a sign in the sky... So everybody would know. And he had this sign, of course, very famous for Israel. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. These were the seven principal feasts. These feasts speak of many things. They are prophetic. They speak about a seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They speak about a seven-year period on the earth. Where great trouble will come. Three and a half and three and a half. The tribulation. And the signs in the Bible guide us to look. To look when the lights start going dim. It's a sign that Christ is returning. When you start seeing on Passover, the first feast. When you start seeing a blood moon on that feast, you know that we're getting near some big trouble on this earth. When there, is a, when there is a blood moon, that's a sign of trouble for Israel. And the, coming, the reason why what is coming up is so important is because these, these signs in the sky that were promised by Jesus Christ in Matthew, there's a, a blood moon in the beginning of this period, a blood moon at the end, and an eclipse in the middle. So it's an incredibly important moment. Let me tell you why. Take a look at the first feast, the Passover. Listen, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let them understand. For thousands of years, the Jews took a lamb and they sacrificed it at three o'clock on Passover afternoon. For thousands of years. And that was a picture that one day, one day, there would be a lamb. One day, there would be a Messiah. Guess when the Messiah would die? On the same feast day, on the same feast day, At three o'clock in the afternoon, read your Bible, there he was on that cross, our Passover lamb. For thousands of years, the Jews had gone through the ritual, but as it was prophesied, this was an image, this was a picture for the people to see and understand, but of course the Jews being blinded, not by their eyes, by their hard heart, they did not see it, they didn't perceive it. So Jesus, all of these feasts, in fact, the next three were all fulfilled. They're all over, all done. Okay, Pentecost already happened. But my, 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 my point to you folks, Passover was fulfilled on Passover. Unleavened bread was fulfilled on unleavened bread. First fruits and Pentecost on first fruits and Pentecost. Scripture was true 
And I, my point is, what do you think about the remaining feasts then? It's going to happen just like he said. So the top half, which are called the spring feasts, have all been fulfilled. And now we have the second half, the trumpets. For example, Paul says, let me show you. Paul says that with the rapture will take place during the Feast of Trumpets at that time of the year. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 52. He's talking about the rapture of the church. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. At what? At the last trumpet. He's talking about the Feast of Trumpets. Because they, they blow a hundred trumpets. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. Etc, etc. You know the scriptures well. And the same with tabernacles. Paul also in 2 Corinthians 5 talks about the, the Feast of Tabernacles where we would receive our new body. So you understand folks, I believe and I believe scripture is crystal clear that the signs in the sky and everything that's happening are pulling together at such an alarming rate. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. I want you to see this for yourself. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1. This is a critical linchpin in today's message. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1. Now brothers and sisters, Paul is talking. Now brothers and sisters, about times and dates... Right? We do not need to write to you. He's talking about feasts, right? About feasts and when they happen. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to tell you. For you know that the day of the Lord, the second coming, will come like a thief in the night. It's gone before you know it. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Look at verse 4. Read it with me. But you brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Thank you, Paul. So Paul is saying, Christ has prophesied, God has prophesied in Scripture that these things will happen when you see the sign in the sky on the feast day. Paul says the world doesn't know that the the body of Christ will be snatched away from the earth like a thief in the night. And they don't know anything about that. But then he turns to the church. He turns to you and, he, and me. And he says, but not, I'm not talking about you. You understand these things. You are enlightened. You know what's going on. You get the point? And so you understand, begin to get the, the seriousness of the day, the hour. Next slide, please. So in 14 and 15, we have the blood moons coming up. On Passover and Sukkot Tabernacles in the first and last feast. And this is a sign, the likes of which there's only been seven. In fact, this, this understanding, folks, is only was, this was only discovered in 2003. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? You think, well, the Jews have known that. No, the Jews didn't know anything about this. This is because of NASA. Okay, the, 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 the computer machines and everything else have figured out when the blood moons happened on the feast days and they figured out when they're going to happen and that happened it was on the computer system but no one had discovered it no one had unearthed it until a guy called mark blitz in 2003 happened to be in jerusalem when there was a blood moon over the the the, the dome of the rock and he just thought to himself i wonder uh, is there any way of actually taking those blood moons so he did that but that's not the key that god gave he then overlaid it with the feast days boom And he's become a prophet, really, to the world. Explaining how that whole thing has just, really, in a very quick time, (laughs) synergized. All of a sudden, it's come together. God is very slow. But he's so quick. So slow. So slow, you think you can take advantage of him. But when he moves, he will move. Like a thief in the night. And people need to be ready. So this is the next... But by the way, I am not saying that Jesus... Don't go out of here and say, Pastor Mike said Jesus Christ is coming back. I did not say that. Okay? Next year. I'm not setting a date or time. What I am saying is this. In these two years coming up, 14 and 15, there will be an amazing happening in Israel. Something of great trauma because it's a warning. 
is going to happen to Israel. The blood moon is a warning to Israel. The eclipse is a warning to you, Gentiles. So something of enormous significance is about to take place. What is it? Don't know. It could be that the Jews give part of their land away and they receive the Dome of the Rock. Because in Revelation chapter 11, it says the Antichrist will sit in that temple and declare himself God. So we know the temple at some point comes back. So either the Jews, because there's been, this is number eight. When I first heard this teaching, which was about seven or eight years ago actually, when I first heard this teaching about the blood moons that were coming up, do you know what I, I haven't shared this, but this is exactly what I thought to myself. When I heard that there were four blood moons coming up at that time, my thought was this. I wonder if that is the eighth cycle. I wonder how many previous blood moons there have been, because I know enough about the whole Hebrew connection to know if that's number five, we're okay. (laughs) If it's number six, we're okay. If it's number seven, that's okay. But if this is the eighth set of tetrads, they're called, then because eight in Hebrew means a brand new start. It means it's over. It means it's over. And I did a little bit of research. Guess what? This is the eighth set of blood moons on the feast days. Mechan MC just sent us a brilliant PowerPoint this week explaining that eighth connection. Very good. So then God had my attention anyway. But once I realized this was the eighth, because for me that's final. Okay? Uh, It means this is serious. It's very serious. So Jesus said that In these times, watch out for deception. That in this day and in this hour, there's going to be a great falling away from the church. (laughs) You get the point? No. This is a man at sea. And he can't talk to the people. He can't write to the people. And so by sea, they have to figure out a way of communicating to everyone on the land. And so they use these three short, three long, SOS, you know, you have the responsibility to communicate to everybody. So my, my point in all of this, not only to prepare us for the, the second coming of Christ, but, uh, and, and before that, the rapture, as the rapture will take place. The church, those who are spirit-filled, baptized, right, repent, believe, be baptized, and receive. There is no compromise on those four things. I've written a book on it. I'll give it to you for nothing. Right? The four, four points are spelled out in Scripture, loud and clear. No compromise on these things. You can say what you want, but you won't face doctrines of men. You will face Jesus Christ like Nicodemus did. Nicodemus says, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus knew he was a man who understood repentance. He was a man who understood belief. And Jesus said, unless you are baptized in water... And filled with the Holy Ghost, Nicodemus, no one's going to heaven. You don't make the rules. You don't make the rules here. So don't, don't mess with salvation. Are you with me? Amen. Don't play games with salvation. Yours or anybody else's. Very important point. So you need to make sure that if you're not baptized, five people here are ready to be baptized now. Thank God. Well done. Fantastic. But if you're not baptized, go get baptized. And you receive the Holy Ghost. You know when the Holy Ghost is in you. You know when you're spirit-filled. Right? You need to get spirit-filled and then stay that way. Don't play games here. So, my biggest nightmare at the minute is Jesus said that before this happens, there will be a great falling away. It's called the apostasy. Okay? It's called the apostate church. The false church. The harlot church. And as I shared a few weeks ago, I believe the harlot church is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger all over the world. Big crowds. The appearance of success. And we as born again believers are going to be shaken, just like he says, and few. Most people, because of, like he said, their, their, their love for the church will grow cold and their love for God will grow cold. If you love me, you will obey me. Their love for God will grow cold. Their love for the church will grow cold. By this shall all men know you are my disciples. By your love for each other. And he said the love of most is going to grow cold and they're going to jump ship. So we will become an ever decreasing 
extremist group in their eyes, just like Al-Qaeda on one side with the Muslims. We as born-again believers will also become that shrinking group. I'm afraid that's what Jesus said, so don't blame me. He said, narrow is the way, and it seems to get narrower in here. And broad is the temptation of the world and the apostasy. So the apostate church and apostate Christians, I am very interested in knowing how to spot them. Because that's my job. I need to know the signs. I need to, to, to know this through and through and through. And I've been crying out to God, God, please open my eyes so that I will be able to identify an apostate Christian, someone who's going wrong so I can rescue them, or an apostate church when I visit it so I can help them. Apostasy begins, number one, with a departure from pra good practice and Christian doctrines. When Christians start to depart from the doctrines they know to be true, when they start to depart from the practices they know to be true, this is a sign of apostate behavior. When churches do the same, that's a sign of an apostate spirit, if you like, in a church. And ultimately, so the first real sign for me is departure from sound doctrine. And the second sign is departure from Christ. Okay? That ultimately, although people would never believe that, oh, I'll never leave Jesus. Oh, not my Jesus. Don't you know that I love God? God, the number of people who say that kind of stuff. Yeah. Young couple, it just kills me. The day you stop listening to your leader, you're in such trouble. Young couple here, they said we're going to get married, you know, several years ago. And this, this guy wanting to marry this woman, he's not capable of marrying her. He's a disaster. He doesn't pray, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not capable of being a husband. He's not eligible. I sat down with him and I said, look guys, uh, you know, I'll help you as much as I can, but you're not ready. That's all I'm saying. Work with me. Let me guide you. Let me train this man. And, and girl, you, sh you shouldn't be thinking about this. This guy's not able to lead you. I'm not happy with this at all. Well, he rolled his eyes and looked at me as if to say, who the heck are you? And then he looked at her and she rolled her eyes. Who does he think he is? Now, I get that all the time, so it doesn't bother me. I'm not offended at all. What I am is I'm anxious for their help, for their security. So I just said, please, guy, please hear me on this. You don't do this. I do this for a living. Okay? Don't do this. Don't do this. They said, bye, Pastor Mike. Have a nice life. Next thing I heard, they were married. Why am I telling you this? Because last Sunday, a person asked if they could come and see me here. I said, yeah, no problem. And they came in with that man, his Facebook account. He said, look at this. And on his Facebook account, he's just posted, I now realize that same-sex marriage is the will of God. And I now realize how far wrong the churches have been. And I'm no longer going to judge people. I'm not going to... I thought, Jesus. I remember the day that I asked him, please just listen a moment. Because the road that you... Oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And you take that one step. You see? Actually, what it was is out from under my cover. That's what they did. They took themselves out. And then the next step is doctrine. What's the last one? Christ. Never. That's what they all That's what the Jews said. But you see, that's why it's called a deception. It's because you're not aware of it. It's a deception. And you have to nip it in the bud at the beginning. I was saying on Friday night, folks, you need to guard your heart like you've never guarded your heart before. My advice to you, strong advice, is to make Jesus Christ your number one. Because that's actually easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's, that, that, that's how he explained the Christian life. But for most people, the burden is not easy and it's not light. And the reason for that is because they will not establish Christ as number one. And, and the difficulty, they think they can have him as number two. But that's impossible. You cannot have Christ as number two. Uh, do you think Christ is going to tolerate number two? Oh, Jeanette, I really love you, but I also like this other girl. And, uh, is that going to work? No, I don't think so. That's not going to work for one millisecond. Christ at number two. 
You try to put Christ at number two and he will be at number 100 in two seconds flat. You cannot have him at number two. Okay, he will, he will not tolerate it. It won't work. So you need to put him at number one. Churches need to put him at number one. Individuals need to put him at number one. So my first point, it, it's when dealing with, I need to know how to identify an apostate Christian. I need to know what they look like, what they do, what, how their behavior is. And I'm beginning to see it. So what am I looking for? Well, the first, what, what, I'm looking, what, what I'm not looking for is sin. Because if I look for sin, that's going to really deceive me and confuse me. Davis, come, please help me. This is what I mean by that. Sin's not, if, if, if I look for sin in my brother's life here, here's Davis, take a seat. Let's say I'm God. Don't go out of here and say, Pastor Mike said he was God. It's just an example. So let's say I'm God, right? And let's say this is a Christian. And let's say, this is a very nice man, by the way. Let me get that out of the way before I start. And let's say Davis, he's my child. I've saved him and we're in relationship. And I tell him, you're not allowed to play with the ball. Start playing with the ball. Oh, Davis, look. Davis, I I said don't play with the ball. Keep on going. Oh, Davis, he's riding on it. (laughs) Okay, that's taking it too far. (laughs) Okay, he keeps on sinning. But I want you to notice one thing. He's still with me. He's still engaged with me. I'm still looking at him. I still love him. This is sin. Everyday sin. God can handle your sin. Okay? It's a big God. It's not really a problem. And how many times does your son, your daughter, when you say, don't play with the ball, they touch the ball and they look at you and you look at that. Don't. But the relationship is still there. You understand me? This is not the apostasy. Christians sin all the time. This is not the apostasy. Stand up, brother. Sit down. That's the apostasy. Davis? Davis, I was talking to you. Davis? Adam? Adam? Yeah? It's exactly what we'll see in a moment. Why have you turned away from me? And this, these Christians, these apostate Christians, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. But that's not what's going on. Thank you, brother. Do you understand me? Look at the first point. It's not what people fall into that bothers me. It's the good doctrine they're falling away from. And that's what's different about apostasy. The apostasy and apostate behavior. They fall away from sound. The word apostasy is apostia. It's a Greek word. And it means to depart from established norms. There are principles that you've lived by, principles and doctrines you've adhered to, but you depart from them. You leave them. That's apostate behavior. This man was in relationship with me, but at some point, he's changed his practice, his well-established practice, and he's turned. This is apostate behavior. Secondly, the, and, and in fact, let me just read Isaiah chapter 30. Turn to Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah chapter 30. I'm very careful with the scriptures I read because I know people can only understand and take so much. So you understand the importance of this particular chapter that I want you to begin to look at it today and for the coming weeks ahead as well. This is what's happening on the earth, believe it or not. Isaiah prophesied it. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 1, woe to the obstinate children. Obstinate doesn't mean that you've committed a sin. It's different. Obstinate is when you commit a sin and then you do it again. And then again and again and again and again and you're obstinate. you're, You're determined not to obey God. It's different. It's a rebellion. Woe to obstinate children, declares the Lord. Those who carry out plans that are not mine forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, they heap sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt, that's the world, without consulting me, who look to to and fro for help from Pharaoh's protection. Verse 8. Go now, write it on a tablet, for them to, and and inscribe it on a scroll, 
for the days to come, that it may be an everlasting witness. Do you know what this says in Hebrew, folks? It says this. Let me get it exactly right. I'll quote it. In Hebrew, verse 8 of Isaiah says this. Listen to me. Listen. In Jesus' name, listen. This is what it says. This is a message for future generations for the last days. What I'm saying, what Isaiah is experiencing and enduring here, he says this is a message for future generations for the last days. What I'm about to say, he says it for me, it's for you. This message, this, pa- this chapter is an example of what's going to happen in the last days to you and to me. So I want to know what's going on in Isaiah 30. I'll tell you what's going on. Israel has been walking with God so closely for a long time that God has given them victory upon victory upon victory. It was a good time, a a solid relationship. They had victory after victory without defeat. It was a good day for Israel. And outside of Israel, there was a country called Assyria, connected in some way to the current Assyria, but we don't know how. People have researched that and they can't find the immediate connections, but there's some connection. Assyria was actually the most successful army, nation, near to Israel. But they, they, had, they had never been defeated. A bit like a boxer who's got 40 matches and he's never been knocked out. Assyria had never been defeated. The name Assyria means successful enemy. But Assyria had never been interested in dominating Israel. And then things changed. The day came that the message came to Israel. Assyria says they're going to attack And Israel had never been in this situation before. They had sought God for help on every issue. And he had turned up. But they thought that the enemy of Assyria was too big. Folks, you've had victory from God in many issues. Except one. Hebrews says that every person has a sin. The sin it calls. Or the struggle. And Paul called it a thorn in the flesh. There's multiple Examples of this in scripture. And everybody has that point where they have to still rely on God. Don't go to Egypt. I have been your God. You have trusted in me. I have walked with you all these years. And now you think that this problem is so big, so great. You've given up hope and you turn away from God. And Isaiah says this picture... It is an example of what the church will do in the last days. Wow. It's an apostasy. Israel, tell me folks, what happened to Israel? They got cut off. They got cut off. They began by abandoning the faith that they had. They began by apostate behavior, which was the the established principles that they had lived by and seen God work in. They decided that they weren't going to do that anymore. Instead, we're going to go to Egypt for help. We're going to go to the world for help. And God challenged them, don't turn away from me. Don't turn away. I love you, but this is not going to work, Israel. I got to be number one. Number one. Only number one. It's the only way you're safe. So we recognize apostate behavior by what people fall away from in doctrine and practice. Good Christian practice. Secondly, I believe we can recognize apostate churches because they really know how to do church. <laughs> Yesterday we had a, a media team and worship meeting. It was very good. Praise the Lord. And we struggle with all our equipment and we struggle with our skills and our talents. But was that worship this morning or what? Wasn't that beautiful? Wasn't it? Amen. Simple and just awesome. Absolutely heavenly. Thank God for that. But, you know, we're not as good as the apostate church. No. Many of these churches are huge. They have the best worship teams, so-called, inverted commas. Best musicians, inverted commas. They can do the smoke machines and massive buildings and many people there. So many. Wow. Yeah, the apostate church really know how to do it. Poor Brother Ben. I love Ben very much. God help him. We had an all-nighter in here one all night. And Ben was leading a certain part. 
And unfortunately, he said something that I couldn't let it go because it was so wrong. I had to stand up and say, sorry, Ben, I can't. I'm in charge and I can't let that be said to these people. I'm responsible for this. What he said was this. He said, you know what, guys? You can't do anything without God. You need God for everything. You can't do a thing without God. <laughs> sorry, just sit down a moment. You can do loads without God. Stella, could you come? Let's pretend Estella's not saved. She is saved. She's born again. Let's pretend she's not. Okay? Let's pretend you lost. Sorry. Play for me. Davis. It's me again. <laughs> Come. Bring your Bible. Oh, stay there. Stay there. Let's pretend I'm an apostate pastor. I'm a pastor who doesn't obey God. Oh, Davis, we love you. We love you with all our heart. And what we want is a better life for you. Come, come, come and take a seat. Because here, you're going to find fellowship. What? You must be exhausted. Look at that big, heavy book. That would weigh anybody down. Let me just take that off you for a start. Just relax. Maybe just put your feet up. And I will help you and I will soothe you. Do you know what? God loves you. He loves you no matter what you do. And in here, we will not judge you. You can say hello to all my gay friends here. <laughs> You're welcome here. Now, Folks, you see this, do you know this man? What's being ministered to? His soul. His soul. He needs loved. The lost have loved. They have a soul, you see. And they can experience this in an apostasy church, an apostate church. They can experience, and they sit and go, oh man, I feel great. It's far better than that Pastor Mike guy. He never stopped shouting at us. I think I, I think I, I think I really like this, because all the so-called, as you'll see in a moment, pressure to overcome is gone, and I can actually do whatever I want. And this new guy, he's not going to make me accountable for anything. At last, I found true freedom. Welcome to the apostate church. Meet every need. Accept what God wants and accept the spiritual needs. Oh, your soul will be blessed. Your soul will be edified more than we could ever do. But you'll end up in hell because you've departed from sound doctrine. Brother, don't ever let anybody take this off you. Amen. Thank you, Davis. He's having a busy day. <laughs> Thank you, Estella. So you understand, the apostate church, they know how to do it. And the first church when I went to Ireland, uh, at that point I was not connected to VFC. But the first church I went to was the most successful. And it's not a criticism of them today. It's a criticism of them then. This is 25 years ago or something now, I guess. I went into that church, the biggest, most best, most exciting place in the city. And then I heard that they had been there for 26 years and... At that point, I think not one church had gone out from that place. I tell you, stop this, man. It's not what I'm here for. You're going to look after me. We need to get to the lost. We need to plant churches. What sort of pastor are you following? Get, get a grip. Go into all the nations. Go and preach the gospel to all mankind. Don't just let them lead you astray like this. Don't fall for that. Dangerous stuff, folks. So the apostate church, they know how to do it. Next one, please. This is a serious one because the apostate church at the moment on earth is rejecting the message. And I showed you some of the leaders of the emergent church in America and the whole Chrislam business that's going on at the moment. They reject the message of holiness, repentance and judgment whilst all the time saying that they love Jesus. I had a Scottish guy actually. I used to like him very much, but he was very lost. He was living with his girlfriend, sleeping with his girlfriend. And he used to love to call in and see me. About once every two months, I was living in Cardiff at that time. 
And he would just pop in and say, Hi, Mike. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Great to see you, Mike. Glory to God. Hi, Campbell. You still sleeping with your girlfriend? Yes, I love my girlfriend. Hallelujah. Campbell. Don't judge me, Pastor Mike. Don't judge me. God doesn't judge anyone. God loves everybody. The Campbell, in your soul, you can convince yourself of anything. Davis, in this situation, I can convince you of many things. Many things. Cunning devil. And as long as you're sleeping with that girl, Corinthians tells me that you're going to hell, brother, on a fast train. And you need to stop sleeping with her. Hallelujah, Pastor Mike. One day you'll understand how good God is. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. It's now Campbell at one point had been born again and then he had departed from sound doctrine and he had departed from sound practice. He's one of the many. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened. He was enlightened. He was born again once. Who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away. The apostasy. To be brought, it's impossible for them to be brought back to repentance. What that scripture means is this. Everybody look at me. What that scripture means is this. You can be born again and you can get lost. You can lose your salvation. But what that scripture means is this. You can be born again and lost, but you cannot be born again again. That's what it means. You can't be born again twice. You can be born again and lost, but it is impossible for those who, once they're born again and have the Spirit, they're fully saved, once they depart from sound doctrine and practice, it is impossible, says the writer to Hebrews, for them to be brought back to repentance because to their shame, the song we sang this morning and Everson's message tonight, to their shame, they have crucified or are trying to crucify the Son of God all over again. Stay with me, I'm not finished. Isaiah finishes with a message of hope for you and for me. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 10. Take a look. I will show you the beginnings of it. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 10. They say to their seers, a seer is someone who sees things. I see things. I am a seer. I look, I see visions all the time. It's one of the greatest blessings of my life. They say to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets... Give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us only pleasant things and prophesy illusions. Leave this path and get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. I deal with so many people, you know, all the time. People who have fallen in sin and you go in and you say, I've got a word for you. And they say, hallelujah, because I could do with a word right now. Come and help me. Come and help my kids who have gone wrong. Come and help my husband, my wife, whatever. And you come in and I would see things or I would hear a word and you bring a word and people receive it and they're blessed. That's not apostate behavior. Isaiah says, this is what the church will be like in the last days, those who fall away. What do they say? Pastor Mike, why don't you shut up? And I say, could I meet you? No, I'm busy. Could I meet you tomorrow? I'm busy, I'm busy tomorrow as well. No more visions. No more words. I don't want anything from this Holy One of Israel. Don't want to hear any more about this God. Thank you very much. It's exactly what Israel did. They began to harden their heart against the prophetic. For me, this is one of the most dangerous signs when people stop listening. And they refuse to be guided or helped. And that brick wall comes. That scares the living daylights out of me. Because I know, like with that couple, I know the end result of that road, my friend. I know the end result of that road. And you do not know the danger you're in. Once you stop listening to your leaders. I am a very obedient person in my structure. I worked for the same church for many, many years. And I've told you, be my guest Asked my leaders when I disobeyed them. There were only two occasions and both of them were because they were unaware of something that I had to fix. And I explained both occasions. I am an obedient person. Completely. 
Whatever they tell me to do, I do. What, because I'm a creep? No. Because I understand the danger of my position. I understand that once, as long as I stay with the cover, I've knocked out 99% of my problems just like that. As long as I'm obedient. We were praying about this yesterday. And I was saying, God, I've been in the church a long time with the same people, same guys here now that were there when I entered. Uh, and I intend to stay. I will die or be raptured obeying what my bosses want because I know this is a major part of my security, our security in treacherous times. In wisdom is found in the counsel of many. And so four times a year we go and we sit around a board room table in Singapore and we bat and ball and we talk and I will be dealing with this in my next visit. We talk about all the issues that are confronting the churches around the world and that makes me feel safe because I know if anything is wrong in my teaching, my doctrine, my practice, they'll spot it. And I, that's why I need the church, I need the security and Isaiah says in the end times, do you know what people are going to say? Shut up pastors, we don't want any more visions. We don't want any more words. We don't want to hear from you anymore. We'll find someone else who doesn't challenge us. He said, stop confronting us with this Holy One of Israel. We don't want to hear about repentance anymore. God help us. If that doesn't speak as an example of the church, particularly in America, but now it's rising at an enormous pace within Europe. I don't know what does. That is a perfect description of what we're dealing with today number four the apostate church will not work with God in his ways and God's ways are are very serious you know God made knows his deeds to Israel his ways to Moses if you remember it, it, it was an intimate thing Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15 this is what the sovereign Lord the holy one of Israel says he's talking to a people who have hardened their heart who have departed from sound doctrine, who have lost good practice. And this is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest, you can keep your salvation. In quietness and trust, never mind Egypt. In quietness and trust is your strength. But look at these guys. They would have none of it. We're not going to have that. We're, not, we're still going to Egypt. We're still going to try and figure this whole thing out ourselves. We don't need you. God. Dangerous, treacherous situation which ended up in Israel being cut off and will end up with the Harlot Church being formed, a multi-faith organization. It will be in the end. It doesn't begin that way. It's a deception. It looks very good in the beginning. It doesn't look good there, I'm sure, to you, I hope. Never depart from the preaching of the word, the declaration of sound doctrine. I, 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 please don't take this the wrong way. Please don't take it. I don't mean it in any harsh way. But I, I have no concern in my heart whether you ever come back here again. You will never dictate what I say. Never. I will never, ever let any church or any person try to change what I say or how I speak. Okay? Never. I went to Liverpool, but people, you see, the apostate church wants numbers. And you can get numbers provided you preach the right things. And you avoid holiness, repentance, judgment. If you avoid those things, uh, and I could tell a few stories here, guys. I'm, I'm going to leave it for another time. Some scary stuff going on in this city. I tell you, I need to preach the word. I, I, I turned up. I was driving by one day in the, the oldest church in Liverpool, you know. It was where the Mayflower saved from. Richard Mather, the founding fathers, America, Jews, many of them, in that boat, sailed over to the United States. It actually sailed from Liverpool. And the building has been restored and it's still there. And it was operating as a church. And I drove past it and I thought, I prayed actually outside it. We said, look at that, that's amazing. I said, God, I'd love to preach in there one day. Just to be part of history and to be part of the, the founding fathers. Lo and behold... It wasn't long I got an invite to the very place. Wasn't what I thought though. It was a homeless meeting. And this was a weekly occurrence with homeless people where they invited them in and they gave them a meal. And they said, would you come and preach the gospel? I said, I'd be delighted to. So I go along and there's about 25 guys in there. 
and they cooked him a meal. And when they finished the meal, it was my turn to say, to preach the gospel to them. So, but before I got up, the woman who was organizing the meal came over to me when I arrived and she said, oh, hi, hi, hi. These people are all very tired, you know. Oh, they sleep in the doorways and life is so hard. And, oh, you know, you don't want to, uh, I know what she wants to say. Uh, you don't want to beat them up anymore. Uh, we, in this meeting, we like, to, we like to comfort them. We like them to feel, I just wonder what, what you were going to say tonight. I said, well, I was invited to preach the gospel. I'll be preaching the gospel tonight. But gently, gently, is it? Gently, nicely. We, we, I could have spoken for her. What she was saying is, I want them to come back because I have a ministry. And if I lose them, I've got nothing to do. I'm not important anymore. The most important thing to me is that they come back and I will make them nice and fat and then send them to hell. So don't you spoil my little ministry. That's what she was saying. So I said, okay, then had their dinner and then I stood up and I made it, you, you, you understand. I said, folks, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And I preached a, a, a complete gospel message. She was standing at the back and at one point she went, oh my God, what did I have? It? What is he going to do? When I finished, she was looking at me, furious. And if I remember correctly, Jeanette, it was about 11 or 12 of those men for the first time stood up and walked down to the front. One of them today is a full-time evangelist working in Frontline, the biggest church in Liverpool, Frontline Church in Liverpool. Hallelujah. Amen. I led them as best I could to Jesus Christ. And at the end, she came up to me and she said, you scared me. And I didn't challenge her. It's not what I'm there for. She knows God, but her practices stink. You know, about their eternity. These guys sleeping in doorways, they can die any time. And all you're interested in numbers. I'm interested in souls, not numbers. In souls, in disciples, in followers who will obey good teaching, sound doctrine. But once they depart from that, then they depart from their practices. Then they depart from Christ. But they never say they would do that. Oh, no. But that's exactly, that's why, I repeat, that's why it's a deception. That is why it's a deception. Because it's creepy. That's the next point. Jude chapter, well, there's only one chapter. Jude verse 3. Jude verse 3 talks about this. Jude verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write to you to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith that was once and for all to trusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality. That's like my friend Campbell, right? A license for immorality, and they deny Jesus Christ, their only Lord and Savior. And, and that's a, such a harsh uh, chapter there. That's just one chapter. But such, such, such harsh reading. And there is a Greek word there that's used once in the whole of the New Testament. It's only used one time. And the word is creep. They crept in. They sneaked in amongst us and brought in false teachings, false doctrines, false practices. So it's, it's my next warning. Uh, number five, please, guys. That we need to be aware that the apostate church is subtle. Not stupid, clever, cunning. And Jude uses the word, uh, you know, cunning. They crept in. They were able to deceive many. All of this is very harsh. I'm totally aware of it. The reason it's harsh is because God wants to save people. You picture someone, you remember I told you about uh, Siobhan McLaughlin who couldn't swim and she was in the swimming pool in Cardiff in a rubber ring and she started to just move out and the rubber ring was keeping her afloat but the thing went pshhh and my friend Stephen was the lifeguard was outside reading his paper. And Siobhan's life was starting to sink. And do you know what she did? Nothing. <laughs> she did crazy. She did nothing. The ring started to go down. The water, and she started to go, Steve, 
Steve. 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 What? What is in someone's mind? And Steve, thank God, he's going to the toilet or something. He stepped up and just looked in the swimming pool side and she was going down. He thought, she, she's, she's drowning. He jumped in and dragged her out. And he said to her, why didn't you shout? And she, she said, I didn't like to. God, help us. I didn't like to. Don't be so polite today that you end up drowning. And if you need help, you need to open your mouth and cry out to God. And if I saw someone driving towards a cliff and they didn't know it, what would you do? Shout! Stop! You're going over the edge! And if you didn't, how hard-hearted are you? Remember the girl in Dublin, Jeanette, who was jumping in the river? They wouldn't even leave the bus stop. They wouldn't even leave the bus stop. Jeanette was standing waiting on a bus years ago. And she came home and she told me, that I was standing on the bus, all the people at home time, and this girl climbed up on the wall to kill herself. I've got to get my bus. I've got to get home. Never mind her. Let her die. Who cares? And Jeanette and one other person went over and stood and said, come down off the wall. Come down off. You don't need to do this. My God. Human beings and pastors who want to fill their churches and won't tell the people the truth and comfort them into hell. God help us. God help us. God, I thank you for Isaiah who said this is a prophecy for the last days. This is what it will be like. And I don't know about you folks. I'm no angel. And I could have lost my way many, many times. Many times in my life. Many times. But God in His grace has kept us here. Thank Him for sustaining us. And I thank you, God, and you alone, because if it was up to me, I would have already been cut off long ago. But by your grace, somehow, I never, I never turned that seat at least fully. Always had that grip on me, God, and I thank you that you've got it today, and may I never lose it. So that's us, Jeanette. What about you? Final scripture, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 18. Even to these people who had departed from sound doctrine, departed from sound practice, and then departed from God. God's cry goes out in verse 18 yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you therefore he will rise up to show you compassion for the the Lord is a God of justice and blessed are all those who wait on him I could have fallen many times beyond recovery so could you but you're here and God just said to this same church by the way everybody look at me a moment to the same church in Isaiah he says this how I want to show compassion and restoration to you today and to have you protected and covered in the last days. Don't know what to say now. No joke. It's communion. Communion this morning.
I was in here in the middle of the night. We were walking up and down the floor. And I, I said what I've been saying for the last few months. I said, God, I give you everything that we have, everything we are. I hold nothing back. Do whatever you choose with us. Take my life. I surrender all because that's the example that you gave that I was supposed to follow. I surrender all. It's what we did on Friday night, if you remember. This is a place, you know the story, folks, about communion. It's a place of edification where God strengthens us. There's, there's, there's many aspects to this table. It's a place of intimacy, the restoration of intimacy between me and my God. It's a place I come back to. I come back to. He said, do this as a in remembrance, right? I come back to you, Christ come and take first place in my life today and forevermore God is longing to be gracious to you kind to you to bless you that's what he said this is a message for the church in the last days